0: The following broadcast contains language which may be offensive to some listeners. Discretion is advised. Portland Computer Services presents the Baseball Lifer Podcast. Hi there, Don Wardlow here, your friendly baseball lifer. It's been a quiet week with the World Series over. There was some movement on Monday. Some new managers were hired, but after that, what news there's been has mostly been about rumors, and I don't really traffic in rumors on this broadcast. So I'll give you what we do have, three new managers, the most expensive one is going to be Craig Council going from the Brewers to the Cubs and he'll get double pay working in Chicago. He was getting $4 million a year. He's going to be up to $8 million a year and that's the most money a manager has ever been paid. Meantime, making less money but doing the same job, the Mets have found a new manager with Buck Walter gone and they've taken the Yankees bench coach, Carlos Mendoza. They'll try him in 2024. Meantime, the California Angels have reached for another one of the older managers in the category of Buck Walter, Dusty Baker, and the Rangers manager, Bruce Bochy. The Angels have chosen Ron Washington, who managed the Rangers for seven years. From 2007 to 2014, including the two years they were in the World Series in 2010 and 2011, Ron Washington was their manager then. After leaving the Rangers, he had coached first with Oakland, and then from 2017 on, he'd been third base coach for the Atlanta Braves, and he got his one World Series ring there. So he'll be trying his luck in Anaheim. And the big question there, of course, are they going to be able to re-sign Shohei Otani? We're going to take a brief break and let you hear a word from our sponsor. And then our guest, Sam M, will come along and he'll talk to us. He'll talk about his website and he's written a song about baseball, which you'll hear at the very end of our interview with Sam. He's yours, if you keep it where it is, on the Baseball Life for Podcast.
1: I am having such a problem at
0: work. This is the second time this month I have had two computers down, and I can't get my computer company to come to the office and fix them. I think they are too busy with other bigger companies.
1: You know, I was having the same problem until we met Cortland Computer Services in Middlesex, New Jersey. They respond to most of my calls the same day, either by accessing my computers remotely or by sending a technician to my office. Wow,
0: that would be great. It is such a disruption when the computers are not working properly. I need somebody that can come out, see what's wrong and
1: fix it. On our first meeting, they surveyed our network for security, identified some problem areas, and set us up with security software designed to prevent malware, ransomware, and all of the other threats that are on the internet these days. They have been helping central New Jersey businesses for 30 years, and they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You should contact them either on the web at courtlandcomputerservices.com or by phone at 732-356-8860. 732-356-8860. Tell
0: them you heard about it on the Baseball Lifer podcast and get a $100 coupon toward your first two hours of computer services. Back on the Baseball Lifer podcast, Don Wardlow here. My guest is Sam M., the letters E-M-M, not just Sam M as if it were a code name, but yeah. Sam Sam M is my guest. His website is tenderbastard.com, and that's just how it sounds, tenderbastard.com. We'll go into that, but that you need to know his website because... There's a lot of good stuff on his website, which doesn't have anything to do with baseball, so it won't get discussed on this broadcast, but I want to to give you all the chance to go to his website, get a look, get a listen, hear this man sing, hear this man. Is that a guitar or ukulele that you play?
2: I play both. I play piano, mandolin, ukulele, guitar, harmonica, and I'm starting on penny whistle.
0: (laughs) wow i like i like the penny whistle you mostly hear that on irish songs yes beautiful sound that
2: there's a guy for so many years now i don't know but every year at farm aid this one i guess he's a farmer and he plays penny whistle solo on the texas flood and at one point he takes up a, a double penny whistle solo. <laughs> I'm always impressed every year. I'm like, I got to see that guy again.
0: That's a be- beautiful sound. Now, yeah. one of the things that you talked about and led me to bring you on is you're a fan of Roberto Clemente. Now, were you born in the Pittsburgh area? How did you get to yes. be a fan?
2: Uh, and yeah, it was Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh Pirates were the team. And it was in, in, in the in the 60s. It was when the pirates were doing really well. I think Danny Murtaugh and Bill Mazeroski and Roberto Clemente. And for some reason, I just felt an affinity with him. And I had a, his his glove. It was like an oven mitt. It was an outfielder's glove. He was my guy. His wall is still standing. There's a tiny bit of Forbes Field. Wall standing, it's become the David H. Lawrence Law Center. But behind it, there's the wall, and I just felt I don't know there's something about Roberto coming. I didn't know as a kid, I didn't know why or anything. I've thought about it now, and I'm like, he was just my guy.
0: Well, he was a hugely popular ball player and a tremendous individual. Pirates won two World Series. While he played for them, 1960, when Bill Mazeroski had his sports center moment, hitting that home run against the Yankees, and 1971, when Clemente, in fact, was the MVP of the World Series that year, and they beat the Baltimore Orioles in seven. And what we're going to hear is his last regular season base hit, number 3,000 in Roberto Clemente's career. I wanted to bring on the Mets broadcast of that because I was listening that day when the Mets played the Pirates and Clemente got his 3,000 hit off of an unheralded rookie named John Matlack, who would be a great Mets pitcher in years to come. And what I'd found, since I couldn't find the Mets broadcast and I don't remember who was broadcasting for the Mets at that time, I was able to locate Bob Prince, the Pittsburgh broadcaster, the gunner. And this is how the gunner described base hit number 3000 for Roberto Clemente on Pittsburgh television.
1: Everybody's dead, and they want Bobby to get that big number 3000. Matlack on the 0 1. Bobby hits a dive for the back the left center field. There she is. Standard. A double
0: for Roberto and Bob Prince, the gunner, as much a Pittsburgh legend as Clemente or Stargell or any of the others.
2: That yeah, was Willie Stargell. That is who I couldn't remember. Willie Stargell. Yeah, it was an exciting time. They were just in their peak, I guess, and there was something in the air. And when you saw Roberto Clemente run, he just had this big. Wide step, and he was fast, and he rounded the bases, and I guess he felt like he was underrated because he he wasn't with he wasn't on either coast or a bigger team. I I think I've heard that that he he felt underrated, but it was exciting. He was just he was always doing things. Then he took the plane, and it and it crashed. I guess I don't think they recovered his body, but I was always suspicious. I've always been suspicious of that.
0: He was somebody
2: doing doing good and they (laughs) died.
0: He was was bound for Nicaragua trying to give relief supplies to the earthquake victims down there. Yeah. And in a few months after that, the Hall of Fame made an exception, a good exception. They elected him into the Hall of Fame without the usual five-year waiting period and an exception that before that had only been made for Lou Gehrig.
2: I didn't know that.
0: And up in Cooperstown there are three statues. I might have told you about this when I was writing to you that I made a trip to Cooperstown in March and I talked about it on this broadcast before. I got a chance to touch the three statues. One was Lou Gehrig one was Jackie Robinson, and one was Roberto Clemente. And I'd heard of statues outside of stadiums. I'd, I'd heard that they existed, but I had never seen one. And this was the first time, and these were three stellar players and stellar human beings. I got to look at their statues. Nice. How did you come by his bat and his glove?
2: Oh, I think you could just buy it at the store probably. I, I don't know where we went, but I, I don't remember getting it, but somehow I don't know if I asked my parent, probably. I, and they We just went and got one. Um, I don't remember where. I wish I still had those.
0: Now, something you mentioned in your n- note to me about another great baseball star, the Bambino. You said you and your dog had gotten a chance to ride in Babe Ruth's Lincoln Continental. Now, I got yeah. to... I got to hold his baseball bat when it came on tour. When I was in the South Atlantic League, it was going all around the league. How did the ride in Babe Ruth Lincoln come about?
2: Well, the car came about, as I was told by the guy that owned it, a Texan. Uh, He said that he bought it from a Texas politician that needed money fast for some reason i think it was tom delay who used to be speaker of the house 20 20 years ago or so i don't know for sure he didn't want to tell me uh the car was at a trinidad triggers game in trinidad colorado southern colorado where i was working as a journalist and i went to one of the games uh once i discovered them i started going to all the games because because i got a pass they gave me a pass but at one of the games i was covering The car was there up above home plate up, up in the parking lot. And I talked to him, interviewed him, the owner, and he showed me the, the angled stain on the front seat between the passenger and the driver. And that he said, that's where Babe Ruth put his cheese dog, his his chili dogs and his chili cheese dogs. Um, And that was interesting to see. That was the the best thing because to see that stain, to know that his hand was right there and I put my hand right above it. I didn't touch it right above it, but the way he got the car was because he, he helped uh, popularize Little League. I guess it was called Babe Ruth Little League originally. And then they've since taken off Babe Ruth. I've heard of Pop Warner Little League, I think, but I don't know what that is. I've heard of it, but that's how, the car came about and he only had it for several months and then he passed. But as the game was wrapping up and we were talking, he goes, well, do you want to ride in the car? I'm like, yes, sir.
3: <laughs> dog
2: and I got to ride in the car from, from our parking lot at home plate around to uh, the gate at center field. And the game was just ending. I don't remember who won. And we opened the gate, we got back in the car, we rode down to home plate and everybody cheered. And then I wanted a picture of the team with the car. So I had, and I had to do it really quick. And I laid I had four guys lay down like on their elbows and then a row of people sit, a row of players sit and then guys haunch in between them. And then guys that haunched a little higher, I think. So you could see the car still and I'm taking the picture and I'm looking for my dog, Georgia. I'm going, oh, where is she? I'm going, I better take this picture quick. And I take. I always take two pictures and then everybody cheered and I look and Georgia was sitting on one of the players laps, the one of the guys that was sitting down. So that's a nice memory of her because she passed about two months ago and I just miss her profoundly. But Man, I believe that. That's one of the great stories of her. I look and I see her. She just, I don't know, she just knew somehow to get in the picture and she was in there. I'm like... Nice. But I think that's really cool. Riding in Babe Ruth's Lincoln, Lincoln. Royal Blue Lincoln Continental. I don't know what year it was, but it was big and boxy and it it had fabric, gray fabric seats. They weren't leather or anything.
0: And what baseball fan wouldn't want to take a spin in Babe Ruth's Lincoln? Yeah, yeah. And, I
2: thought, and my dog got to ride. I'm like, that's it, there's something a the dog doesn't get to do very often. She may be the only dog in the world <laughs> ever riding Babe Ruth's car. And I learned a lot that Babe Ruth was in an orphanage. And they had a – they played a – they had baseball league, I guess, for the orphans. And someone from – what team did he start on?
0: Boston? He, he began with the Baltimore minor league team because they discovered him at St. Mary's School. That's Orchide. what
2: I mean. And I guess someone came and saw him, scouted him, and then they went to the orphanage and said, we want him to play for right. us.
0: That's the and story he'll... of Jack Dunn, the Baltimore Orioles minor league boss. And then he ran out of money, and he sold Babe to Boston, and the rest is famous baseball Uh history and i mentioned to you being able to hold one of his bats and i gotta tell you if you've never seen one those bats that babe used and that i guess all the ball players of his time frame used those are tremendously heavy weapons compared to today's bats which are small and whippy and you can you can get around real fast with the with today's bats
2: yeah, but the way the way he got on the team was he went to the orphanage and said, "I want, I want Babe Ruth. That what was his original name? I forget what was his name." Something
0: George like Herman Babe Ruth.
2: George Herman. He Because I want George to play on our team, and the people at the at the orphanage said, "Well, you have to, ad- you have to adopt him to get him to play." And he, and, and that manager adopted him, and that and then <laughs> so, so all the players teased him and said, "Oh, you're the babe. You're like the of the baby of."
0: You got, got it, Jack Dunn's babe. Yeah. And not that it was an unusual nickname. There was actually a Babe Adams playing for the Pirates in the same time frame and later a Babe Herman. So it's not unusual, but but Babe Ruth is the one that's most remembered. We're on the Baseball Lifer podcast. We're talking with Sam M. His website is tenderbastard.com uh, Sam M. There's a lot of good material on his website because he is a songwriter he's a novelist he's a pancake fan now (laughs) i i I like pancakes but i I never would have thought to write the fact that i'm a pancake fan on my website that's kind of interesting
2: yeah i just stuck that in there to make people because everyone's going along saying what they do. And, and then the pancake thesis, that's for people go, what? Holy heck. What is that? <laughs> so I don't know where I – I probably saw someone else do something like that. And I just came up with – because I do like pancake. I go through pancake phases, and I just came up with pancake enthusiasts. It's like saying he and his dog are public intellectuals. We were. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. She's gone now, so but I left it in there. Understood. Now, I broadcast in independent baseball in 1997, 98, and 99 for the St. Saint Paul Saints. And I have always had a soft spot for independent baseball. And I've tried to, here in the Trenton area where I am, I've tried to get people to understand that the Trenton Thunder is still a legitimate baseball team, even though it's no longer a Yankee team. It's an independent team. Now, you've been with the Trinidad Triggers. And that's an independent team in the Pecos League, a league I had not heard of, but I did some, some digging. And when did you start covering the Trinidad Triggers in Trinidad, Colorado?
2: It would have been... About 13 years ago, and I think it was at Walmart, but don't tell anybody. And I just see this really, you know, the the aisles have pretty tall and and he's just taller than the, the the divider. And then finally, when I come around the corner, here's this big, tall kid in a baseball uniform. I, I must have said something I, I'm, like, is it Halloween or something? He goes, no, I played for the Trinidad Triggers here in town. And he just told me about it. And I thought, man, I'm going to pitch that as a story to my editor. And I don't know if I pitched it that. I don't know if I went to the game that night or the next day. But pretty soon afterwards, I started going to games and covering covering the players. And And they do. Scouts do come there. They do look. They're only looking for pitchers and heavy hitters, and his name's Nick, and he said I'm just a little bit faster because I'm a little bit taller, and because the 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 pitcher's mound is a couple inches, you know, it's downhill slightly, two degrees or. But he just said I just I I got a little more height, so I get a little faster. And in one of the games, in the seventh inning, they announced Nick is going to the Philadelphia Phillies, I'm pretty sure. And so he went from the bottom to the – he went right to the – his baseball dream came true. And then another kid, heavy hitter, right after he hit another home run, they announced that he was going to Houston's Triple A team. And when someone would hit a home run – people would come through the stands and collect money and give it to the home run hitter. And, but this other girl would come through with a, a vape pen and get you high. So I was like, this is great. Free baseball, free marijuana. I'm like, this is great. And I went to the rest of the games for the season because I could, I went with my dog. She went all, we just sat in the stands and and watched and it was it was nice baseball. It was, and they play it's professional ball. They are there to, they're not like a recreational league where they skip to the bases and, come. you know, they're, they're there to play baseball. And they inspired me to write a song called baseball, which I will play later, maybe at the end, or whenever you want to hear it, uh, a really good song. Um so it was just it's just just a good memory. I got to see players. and the team manager, it was a woman, Lisa Schultz, I think I'm not sure about the Lisa part. And she institute she was she came to town to work for the city council, and for some reason she got fired. I'm not sure. and or let go, whatever and she said does anybody want to do anything with with the trinidad triggers everybody said no so she took the team solely became the manager and she instituted something that i don't think any other teams were doing after every game she fed both teams i don't know where she got the food from it was probably donated but both teams got a meal um and something else that I found incredible about, the, about those Pecos League, I assume it was every team, certainly the triggers, they get they live with a host team. I mean, they live with a host family because <laughs> they're only paid $50 a week. Their season is 60 days, and they play 60 games, either June and July. I think it was July and August. And so you can keep coming back until you're 26 and then you're done. But I got to see two baseball players' baseball dream come true. That was really great. I mean, they kept coming back, and Nick went to the Philadelphia Phillies, and the other kid went to the Houston Astros.
0: That had to be tremendously exciting for you to watch that happen. We had it happen with J.D. Drew when I was with the St. Paul Saints. He was incredible at our level, and eventually he had a fairly lengthy career, which would have been that much better if he hadn't spent as much time injured as he did. Uh, But yes, it can happen from Independent League, and that Pecos League and the Trinidad Triggers still exists. Um, how, How long... Were you with them? I understand with your vision, only half you're a not season. with them now.
2: No, only half a season, I guess. about I, I discovered them sometime during the season, so I just followed them to the end of the season. I think I actually did three stories, three different One about Lisa, one about the team, and then the, the car was there, and then something else. I, I think some special event they were holding. But, yeah, it was exciting to see especially knowing that they're at the bottom rung and they're just coming back to play. I guess they're all hoping that they get picked up. Maybe not. Maybe they're just playing, but I would assume they are all playing because they want their baseball dream to come true. And here it is. The two of them.
0: They're living the dream. That's what they're doing. And that's what broadcasters do. We live the dream. I lived it. I lived it. For twelve years before I had to get a job,
2: I tried to imagine what it was like when they're they, they've come here hoping that they you know that, that that something good happens, and all of a sudden they hear announced, Nick, you're going to the man. He just he'd be like he probably started crying. He's probably so happy, you know. He
0: probably just, was
2: it was it was it was a good memory of Trinidad, Colorado that riding in the car, riding in Babe Ruth's car. Um, I just got to write stories about, I did community interest. So I just pitched things that were interesting to me. And the Trinidad triggers were really, yeah, you know, I, I don't know what I expected, but maybe I thought, well, they're not going to play really like, you know, like hard bait. No, they were there to play. They ran hard. They hit, they dove for the ball. They were playing baseball, leaping in the air and spinning and throwing someone out at first or at home. And yeah. It was uh it's a good memory. That's for sure.
0: One thing I saw on your website, we're talking with Sam M. His website is tenderbastard.com. And you go there, you see a lot of stuff about there are links to songs that he has written and recorded. There are links where you can buy books that he's written, and this I find interesting, Sam. There's someone who related your writing to Jack Kerouac and Douglas Adams. Now, the name Douglas Adams means something special to me because I am a very big fan of the book and radio series, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which he wrote.
2: Yes. Uh, That was a good day. I had sent that to a woman somehow I found her at a novel way was was what it was called and her plan was to take 12 novels and serialize them every month and put them on newspaper stands in New York City and she had chosen I I, I don't know out of how many that she'd read but she chose my first book two chimps and a chump and That was exciting. I thought that was finally going to work out. She always used someone else's email. I could never get her to explain that. And then as it was moving forward, she contacted me and said that this other, these kids in North Carolina, dying writers, they were going to, or they had published the first chapter or some portion of it and she was angered that she didn't get first right to it and i tried to tell her you know i hadn't heard from them f- for months so i assumed that they were just not going to do it because that's that's the answer a lot of times in, in, at least in writing if they're not going to be interested they just let they don't get back to you and she was very angry and then that project just fizzled she said something like she had a nervous breakdown and I'm like, well, there goes a great opportunity gone. But yeah, she wrote his writing is like Jack Kerouac and Douglas Adams. And I had just read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That that was probably 2009. I had known about Jack Kerouac since the early 70s. I've been to Jack Kerouac's grave in Lowell, Massachusetts uh, and other places. He, He wrote a book up in... Washington State, Um, he used to frequent the El Chapultepec, which is down by Coors Stadium in Denver. It was a jazz club for many years. COVID did it in, but Dean Moriarty, the, the real impetus, the driving force behind several of Kerouac's novels on the road, and he was from Denver. So every time they crisscrossed the United States, they always stopped. And they'd go in the El Chapultepec. It was famous for that. And I've played there, so that was interesting. If you walk if you if you walk in the door and you you've gone, you've walked to the door where those people, Jack Kerouac and Neil Cassidy, have walked. So and I met Jamie Cassidy, Neil Cassidy's daughter, too. But that that's how that came about. Yeah. His writing is like Jack Kerouac and Douglas Adams. I'm like, <laughs> if,
0: you, if you say so. And, and, yeah. and to, to show you, you know, what kind of a nerd I could be, when when I got hold of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy on audio, I actually sent a fan letter to Ann Sheridan, the actress who played Trillian, the character in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. There were 12 chapters, actually, six initially, and then another six in a different series, but it was still under the baton of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. We're on the Baseball Lifer podcast with Sam M. His website is tenderbastard.com. Now, I have written a blog and I'm working on my memoir. I've been asked to write fictitiously about baseball. And I've never quite found the ability to do that. I think it takes a uh, different mindset to write baseball fiction as opposed to write either sports news for my blog or the stories from my own life I think it takes just a little something different have you ever written anything uh, fictitious about baseball
2: I was a fiction writer became I before I became a journalist I happen to like most good things I just happened to fall into journalism I had another friend that was a writer and he was working for a magazine and he asked me if I wanted to write and I'm like okay and and I brought a lot of literary um concepts to my journalism no I much I just wrote I just talked, I mean talking to players and they tell me where they're from and just their living situation. oh and oh I know it's a third story about about out uh, Triggers was every year some kid came to town and fell in love with a girl in town. And I wrote that year's story that he fell. I don't know if he stayed there, she went with him. And, but that was the other story. But there is a lot of, a lot of writing about baseball, isn't there?
0: On the Baseball Lifer podcast on Wardlow here with Sam M. His website is tenderbastard.com. And yes, it's what it sounds like, Tender Bastard. The name Tender Bastard. Now, I had a couple of names when I was in the baseball business, but they had to do with my life with seeing eye dogs. Those were the the computer handles I used back then. How did you come up with Tender Bastard to decide to go with it? When my first book was published, a book of short
2: stories Published by Savant Books and Communications out of Hawaii. Uh, they, they put out, most people, they put out a teaser story for people to read. Yeah. And a friend of mine read it and then he emailed me and just said, you tender bastard. It was two yeah. words. And it that just came into me, just like songs or anything we create. And I just... I, I looked it up immediately. I Google searched it with the, with the friends and the plus and nothing came up. And I realized that no one had ever used those two words in conjunction. The closest I saw them was in a footnote of, God, I can't remember now. Was it Voltaire or Moliere? Man, I can't remember the name of the, of the book, but it's the funniest book I've ever read. And that's the only, I've seen it tender with seven words in between it and then bastard. So, and I think it's 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 part of the it's part of the answer to the world's problems. <laughs> I think of it that way.
0: <laughs> Has the computer handle, Tender Bastard, caused you any difficulty since you put it in?
2: Um yes, I guess. Or a lot of people you know, we've come to a time when a lot of people are afraid of a lot of things that they don't even or can't even admit. Uh, mostly about losing their job. So no no editor for journalism ever let me use my e- email or, or they never let me publish a story as Tender Bastard. And a lot of people that receive anything from me at their job, I'm convinced are afraid of that. They're like, oh my, I can't, I can't answer it, Tender Bastard. I can't talk about it. I can't endorse it. But if they see it just away from their job, then people like it. When people like it, they see it and they say it out loud and smile. They go tender bastard, and those are the people that like it. So it's been tricky to get investors, uh, just other people, libraries. Everybody thinks that nobody like, or they, they 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 irrationally think. I think that's us that, that nobody will like it. They don't want to say that. But I think that's what it is. And now that I've learned that, I'm okay. I I can work around that. I just gotta I just gotta get it to the people.
0: <laughs> and while the word bastard was never on George Carlin's heavy seven list, it was always somewhere in the no man's land. That word didn't get used on radio or T V for a good many years. Now you do hear it on there.
2: Oh yeah. When I was on the radio in Key West you could say it. Um is Bastard not on, well, you just said, I, I, I'm I aware of what that is, but George Carlin's Seven Words.
0: Never did made you? the list. Oh, okay. those Those seven were a lot heavier than Bastard, and I'm not going to use any of them on this broadcast, yeah. but I did check with the good folks at Pinecast, and they were fine with Tender Bastard, which is why we're doing the interview. Yeah. And you wrote a song which we mentioned earlier on. Now we're wrapping up. I want to hear that song, Sam.
2: Yeah. And I think I wrote it. I thought about why it was because I, I, I had my time covering the triggers and going to the baseball field and watching these guys come and really play baseball. They're, they're, they're there to try to make their baseball dream come true and to see the pitcher and the home run hitter have their, have their baseball dream come true. And then they make that phone call. They go mom, dad, or their girlfriend, they go, I'm going to the big house. You know, it's just, to, to have all that and to ride in Babe Bruce Lincoln Continental with my dog I think she's the only dog that ever has and ever will ride in Babe Bruce Lincoln Continental
0: I'm sure of that am
2: pretty sure that's one thing she's been in the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville she's done all sorts of things but I think she, that's a, a one-off she's she's a, a member of, of, of the one club so um yeah, I think that's where that's why I wrote the song.
0: So, you want to hear it? Definitely. At the dawn of
3: man, someone hurled a rock. Somebody else cracked it out of the park. They said, we better give this thing a name. And that's how they invented the baseball game. You got the boys of summer trying to get to first base. Second, third, and home It's just a distant place At night when they sleep They dream about it all They play get the tag Knocking it over the block, and waving a flag That's baseball Well, the batter gets the first Rounds the plate, headed for second. Ball five straight. Over the heads, the runner turns third. Gets waved home. Slides head first. Yeah, the boys, the summer. You can see it in each eye. just gets turned when they let their bats fly. Riding in the bases and bringing their all. Every inning, every game. One day in the Hall of Fame, playing baseball. Yeah, the world's beat up, black and blue. Future's uncertain, and it's getting worse too. But the bats get swung, and the bases run, and for a couple. Bars, we're all having fun. Well, the squares tied up. Man, it's down to the wire. Been an extra innings for over an hour. The are loaded. The count's three and two. Here comes a pitch, and the crowd those blue. For the boys, trying to get to first base. Second, and home is just a distant place. At night, when they sleep, dream about it all. Taking the plane, getting the tag, knocking it over the wall, like waving a flag. That's baseball. Yeah, but boys are summer in the sweet season there. Man, if you got tickets, I will meet you there. Anytime they're playing baseball, yeah, it's a great day for baseball with sunny and blue sky. Here comes the first pitch. It's going, it's going, it's out of here, that's baseball, yeah, baseball, baseball, uh, baseball, yeah, baseball, Ooh, baseball, oh, 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 oh,
0: oh, oh, oh. baseball, on the Baseball Lifer podcast, Sam yes. M, Sam M sang the song, and you know, with the... World series finished and the weather not good. I mean, it's cold, it's miserable, and it's time for the hot stove league. And songs like that keep baseball in our hearts until next February and March when spring training gets going again.
2: Yeah. And uh the country singer Tim McGraw, his father was Tug McGraw. Oh yeah. I'm gonna pitch that song to him. It's difficult to get songs of people like that. Oh, so, yeah. but but I uh, but I found a way I think so that's that's the first place it's going and maybe he'll sing it and it'll just be it'll be whoever sings is going to be a big song <laughs>
0: <laughs> well good good luck with that Sam I'm glad you took some time to join us on the baseball life for you take care
3: see you have fun
0: we'll be back with a word about next week's show if you keep it right where it is
1: I'm having such a problem at work It's the second time this month. I've got two computers down, and I can't get my computer repair company to come to the office to fix them. I think they are too busy with other bigger companies to help us. You know, I was having the same problem until we met Cortland Computer Services in Middlesex, New Jersey. They respond to most of my calls the same day, either by accessing my computers remotely or by sending a technician to my office. Wow, that would be great. It is such a disruption when our Computers are not working properly. I need someone who can see what's wrong and fix it. On our first meeting, they surveyed our network for security, identified some problem areas, and set us up with security software designed to prevent malware, ransomware, and all of the other threats that are on the Internet these days. They've been helping central New Jersey businesses for 30 years, and they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You should contact them either on the web at courtlandcomputerservices.com or by phone at 732-356-8860, 732-356-8860, Tell them you heard about them on the Baseball Lifer podcast
0: and get a $100 coupon toward your first two hours of services. Back on the Baseball Lifer podcast, Don Wardlow here following a very unusual interview that with guest Sam M, his website, tenderbastard.com. There's a lot of interesting stuff there, a lot of songs, a lot of written material that he's written over the years, an interesting fellow, Sam M. Next week, there'll be another one. Kevin Chapman will join us. He's another writer. In most of his stories, he brings baseball into it more directly than the last couple of guests we've had. He will go into some detail about that with me when he joins me on the Baseball Lifer Podcast. Until then, this is Don Wardlow. Have a good week.